This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. You're listening to Living Green, effortless ecology for everyday people. I'm your host, Meredith Medland, and today we're going to learn all about factory farming, the planetary effects, some of the negative effects of factory farming, and also what we really need to know about taking care of the animals on our planet. And, of course, this conversation merits a conversation around giving up meat and what that might mean for you. So we've got an expert in our midst today. I'm about to introduce you to Jennifer Bolden, and she's the co-founder of IdealBite.com. And today she's coming to us to talk about her personal experience with animal rights, factory farming, and what it means to be eating like someone with an eco-conscious. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Living Green. It's great to have you back again. Thanks for having me back, Meredith. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Now, you're in a little bit different situation this time. You were uh, in episode number 15th uh, last July in 2007, and you were really speaking to me on behalf of a company that you co-founded called IdealBite.com. And today we're making a little bit of a transition into some of the things that um, you're personally passionate about that kind of happen outside the uh, the corporate structure of what you're doing now uh, since Disney has acquired you. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, kind of neat to see the um, progression of uh, four years ago when we co-founded Ideal Bite and kind of brought to the mainstream this idea of light green living, right, where you don't have to be perfect and just do one small thing a day and, hey, we'll give you a free email to, to help uh, remind you and, and uh, kind of motivate you, give you all the resources. And four years later now, I'm like, okay, great. We are over uh, a half million subscribers that get this tip this email tip every day, and um, I think we're ready to evolve. And so it's created the space for me to bring some of my more personal um, projects to uh, to the podium. <laughs> hmm. Now, you also have a new um, fun video series that's on your blog with you and your dog, Cricket. Yes, Cricket TV is what it's informally named. You know, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of requests to do video, and we did too. And everybody kind of wants to know who these personalities are behind the pixels in our case. And um, and so we're like, well, let's let's give it a whirl. And I thought, uh, Cricket is much cuter than I am, and she can speak with immunity, i.e., like, you know, say what she wants. Like she says, Hummers are a bummer, but I'm not allowed to say that as a ambassador to the Ideal Bite brand, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of our our, our loophole <laughs> to say what we I, uh, I love it. Now it it would be the best for our listeners to check out your Enviro Vixens video, which is an interesting spoof on the superhero concept. Can you tell us a little bit about that? But again, it's just a lot of you know throwing um, things up on a on a wall and seeing what sticks. I, I, this is definitely the Web 2.0, and we want to make sure that um, people are able to connect with us and be entertained by us because everybody knows that just pure education and dry facts is not going to do the job, right? And and so we definitely always try to keep it entertaining. And this was just one of our uh, feeble attempts to see if we could entertain. And the idea was. Um, uh, yeah, it, being Enviro Vixens and 
and kind of brought back in time and helping people um, remember to do the simple things so that 40 years hence were not without, in this case, it was the holidays just because the electrical use went up so much during the holidays. So um, pretty silly and uh, pretty funny, but it was nice being able to, uh, you know, kind of rock out for a few days and not be on email. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. So if you go to idealbite.com, at the bottom of the page it says check, uh, check out Jen and Heather on TV, and you'll see Enviro Vixens. And I, I just got to tell uh, the listeners some of the sexy parts. So you're holding guitars, you're singing. Both of you and Heather have sexy, probably four-inch high heels. On oh, it. yeah. We're definitely working the hot chick angle. <laughs> I know, and um, that's a good thing. It's well, great. it is, it is, and I mean, it's no surprise, of course, that that whole thing was written and directed by men, which is fun, you know. <laughs> you, gotta use oh, I, you know, I'm I'm all pro women looking as hot as they can. You know, I'm, I think it's great. I just wanted to. Um, seduce our listeners into checking it out regardless of their so they knew that it yeah. that it was worth it. <laughs> it was. And I definitely want, I wish I could have kept my uh four inch uh Gucci heels that the stylist brought. Those those were hot. I mean my feet hurt terribly but they, it would have been worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well let's transition a little bit. Let's really launch right into factory farming. Then we'll take a, a break and we'll talk a little bit more about the planetary effects and also want to make sure that our listeners know that you're going to talk about your personal practices and how you came to those. Great. So um, factory farming, and by the way, I think you and I have been drinking the Kool-Aid long enough where it rolls off the tip of our tongue, but a lot of people um, don't necessarily know what it means. And just to be super clear, it's kind of confinement uh, farming. It's also called industrialized farming. It's it's not the cute little, you know, uh, farmer down the road and, and that has just a handful of animals. It's it's the mass, mass production of animals um, on in basically small areas per animal. So that's what we call factory farming. And um, as you might imagine, there are lots of things that happen because of this to our health and to the environment. And I think that's what we're going to explore. Thank you. So in the meantime, uh, before we take a commercial break, if you would like to put your browser up, if you've got the web accessible right now, you can go to metrix.com, and there's also some great uh, about three- to five-minute videos as well as a wealth of information that you can read along with as we're talking about factory farming. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsors. And we, when we come back, we're going to learn about Jen's personal habits and the planetary effects of factory farming. You're listening to Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People. I'm your host, Meredith Medland, and we're here with Jen Bolden. We'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Sean Daly, host of Green Talk Radio. Green Talk helps you navigate the maze of green and eco products on the market today and make smarter lifestyle choices at home and at work through informative and entertaining interviews with industry authors and experts, as well as executives from innovative companies around the world. Find Green Talk Radio on iTunes or at personallifemedia.com. Green Talk Radio, environmental stewardship through smart consumption. Green Talk Radio. All right, Jen, tell us how you transition your diet and and what you're doing now and how that's directly related to the planetary effects of factory farming, what you're thinking when you're making your food choices. Sure. Um, 
Well, again, in full candor, um, I really came at it more from like an animal welfare perspective when at age 11, I decided that it wasn't cool to eat things that used to have heads. And I remember being at McDonald's and biting into something um, kind of funky in my hamburger, and I, I pushed it across the table. Um, and I think those were back in the days when it had those little aluminum ashtrays at the table and everything. Was, oh, wow. You know? <laughs> and yep. then my mom and dad looking at me incredulously like, this is supposed to be a treat. Why wouldn't you want the, the rest of your hamburger with that great cheese on it? And I was like, I just bit into something gnarly. Who knows? It could have been an eyeball. And, you know, kind of went harumph and folded my arms over my chest. And um, that was when I literally stopped eating meat. I, I haven't eaten red meat since, um, but I've certainly had to explore a lot in um, alternatives. Uh, at 11, I had no idea that I was supposed to be replacing it with beans. And not a lot of people were vegetarians, at least in, in my neighborhood. Um, so I was always, you know, odd man out and just having potatoes when everybody else was having meat and potatoes. And um, and I, I did see some repercussions in terms of being able to bruise easily and my fingernails not ever growing long. Um, so when I got old enough to kind of take the um, power more into my own hands, I, I did start to supplement um, with smarter choices. Yes, definitely more beans and um, some vegetables that have higher protein content. And I have to tell you, a lot of cheese. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a vegan. I'm a vegetarian, so I eat a lot of cheese and eggs. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us a little bit, can you just give us the, you know, sort of a, a two different days in your, your eating life, maybe a work week and a, a out on the town, and, and maybe a little story about how um, people are noticing the food choices that you make? Sure. Um well, as you know, I uh, I love Montana. I lived there for the last three and a half years, and um, and I used to volunteer my time to do some cattle drives just because it's so fun to be on the back of a horse. And you know, I mean, meanwhile, though, I'm this vegetarian that is um, helping, you know, cattle ranching, <laughs> um, but they're not doing factory farming. So that's that's the whole different ball here, uh, ball of wax here. Um, and the to say thank you, the family that I was helping out, they were like, we're going to prepare this big dinner, and we know that you're vegetarian, and it's going to be great, and come over Saturday night, we want to say thank you. So I come over, and it smells great, and everything's being laid out on the table, and they're like, we made chicken because you're a vegetarian. It's <laughs> like, I guess that's the definition of uh, vegetarianism in Montana. Um, and, and to be honest, Meredith, I ate it. I'm not going to be rude. This woman, you know, had, had prepared a meal all day. Um, I think that vegetarians can get a little, you know, uh, maybe extreme, and I'm just not attracted to uh, people that are uh, too extreme. I, I want people to, to like me and so that they ask me, oh, okay, so really what does a vegetarian mean um, to you? And the conversation can begin as opposed to shutting people down. Mm-hmm. I get it. So let's talk about the negative effects of factory farming. Yes, where to start? Um, since your show is primarily about you know uh, sustainability and, and living well, um, well, we could start with just the environmental effects. And to be very clear to um, all of your listeners, I'm not here to say give up meat, okay? That's, that's a different show. Um, it is, you know, eating meat um, in general is one of the more kind of um, luxurious things you can do when you're talking about 
you know, saving the environment, i.e., when you do give up meat, it is it is twice as effective as switching from a regular car to a hybrid, right? So you're going to do much more for the planet by giving up meat. But what I'm really hoping to drive home today is that when you do eat meat, let it be the kind that is raised humanely. Let it be the kind that it doesn't come from a factory farm that is uh, that are polluting the waterways, the air we breathe, and actually um, inhumanely treating a lot of animals. Wow, I love that statistic. So I'm just going to repeat that to make yeah. sure I got that. So making a choice to, to eat uh, vegetarian food is more effective than switching your car for a hybrid. Yes, it is. It is twice as effective. I, I love stuff like that. Do you have any other needs? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this kind of stuff will just blow you away. I don't know. It, to me, it's it's interesting. Maybe it's like the meat lobbyists that have kept these stats undercover. Um, but, for example, uh, greenhouse gases, you know, the stuff that's causing global warming, um, about, 18%, <laughs> about 18% of all of our greenhouse gas comes from meat production. And that's about 40% more than all of the world's cars, SUVs, airplanes, fossil-fueled vehicles combined. Wow. Yes. It's cause, so basically, primarily cows are um, burping and otherwise um, <laughs> coughing up methane. And methane is uh, about 24 times more powerful of a greenhouse gas than is carbon dioxide. So we know there's a huge impact on the planet, and I know that, you know, you have a lot of interest in animals. In fact, I wanted to ask you, you had a horse in Montana named Cuckoo Cachoo, is that right? <laughs> wow, what a good soul that you were Lulu It's Lulu Cachoo, like exactly. Right? Yes. Now you're in L.A. now, now yeah. where's your horse? She's right up the road. She is. I brought oh, her you down. brought her. Uh-huh. I can't. I can't live without my animals. Um, yeah, I absolutely can't do it. And uh, yeah, my chickens actually are still in my Montana place. Um, uh, and the reason that that is is because the poultry laws prohibit you from bringing them through into California. You know. Oh wow. Yeah, and so. I'm. Uh, I have a kind of a neighborhood um, egg gathering where they come in and check at the check on the chickens and grab the eggs and and then the chickens are there when I come to visit or I my friends come and and uh, use the house. <laughs> I'm going to get more chickens here though too. Very very good. We've been looking at chickens actually for here in Santa Barbara too. Oh definitely. So all right. So you got your horse. That's great. So I know that you care a lot about animals. So what else are the other strains? Uh, on animals in the factory farms? Oh, gosh. Um, well, to me, the best analogy I could draw is it's absolutely like a concentration camp for humans, but it's for animals. And um, it goes into deeper and, and more inhumane tactics because we're actually genetically modifying some of the animals as well. So for chickens, we breed them so that their their breasts become so big, that's the part that we like to eat the most, I guess. And the breast becomes so big that they can't even walk and they and they're basically dying of dehydration because they can't get to water. You know, um and and the the examples go on and on and on and I don't, you know, want to make anybody cry. <laughs> but it is one of those things when you go against nature, it's a vicious cycle. You know, so for example, when you put that many cows together, it is a breeding ground for disease. 
So what do you do? You pump them up with antibiotics. Okay, so now the antibiotics go into our system when we're eating their tissue, when we're eating their flesh. Uh, salmonella breaks out, and we can't find a good antibiotic to actually take care of it because we've bred so much resistance in using a ton of antibiotics for these factory-farmed animals. We use about 50% of all the antibiotics in the U.S. are on these animals. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about being more vigilant then. So if our listeners are at a, you know, a Whole Foods or a Lazy Acres or something that gives, you know, a, a little more options mm-hmm. than just standard Albertsons or Safeway, mm-hmm. um, what are we looking for on the packaging? Okay, so... Um, First of all, you know, definitely know where your meat comes from, if at all possible. So that means, you know, buying locally and talking to the people that, you know, may have raised it or may have been the ones to bring it to market. If you are so lucky as to have a farmer's market um, that sells meat, I would highly recommend going there and talking to the producers. Um, That's the best way. I mean, you find out so much. And you even see, you know, they'll bring pictures down from the farm of, of how they're living. Um, if you don't have access to a farmer's market like that and you're going to your Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, what have you, you certainly can look for organic labeling. Now, that doesn't ensure that it um, is not – that doesn't ensure that it didn't come from a factory farm, basically, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's one step in the right direction. You can breathe a little bit easier, but it's not a catch-all. There is no true catch-all. The only thing, the only certification that I've found that has gained some traction is called um, Certified Humane, and, and they do have their own labeling system. And I did interview the executive director, and they're very vigilant about what they require um, because, you know, there's kind of been a marketing scam with the whole free-range thing because, you know, it could, it could still be this, this chicken coop that's on a slab of concrete, and they see daylight for a few hours a day. And because they're not in those battery cages, those one-foot-by-one-foot one cages, they're still crowded, and they still don't have access to really, truly free-range but due to the regulation, it's still counted as that. So that's why I say first, know where your food comes from if possible. Second, buy organic. And, and third, um, you know, look for those labels that say raised humanely, et cetera. Awesome. Okay. Well, for those listeners who are not interested in giving up meat or, you know, I'm about, I think, 35 days away from getting my black belt in hot keto. And so for me, I know that, you know, I definitely know the impact of steak on my body occasionally yep, and that it makes a difference, although I, you know, I do eat a lot of tofu and tempeh and cheese and love that. So what are some of the options that an everyday family can do to lessen their impact on a planet? Mm-hmm. So um, the best thing that you can do, this is the easiest rule of thumb, is eat lower on um, the food chain, okay? So um, let me just say kind of explain why that's so important we we farm grain right and we could eat the grain directly in pastas and breads um or we could feed it to a cow so the cow will take about between 10 and 14 pounds of grain and from that we will get one pound of beef so it'd be much more efficient effective and help towards global, you know, solving global hunger if you could eat what's called lower on the food chain, right? Because it's it's the cow that's eating the grain. 
Um, mm-hmm. All right, so so just kind of always bear that in mind. Right down to um, eating healthier fish. You know, if you're going to be eating the tuna, which are huge, they're at the top of the food chain, and they're actually the ones that are way overfished and that can't contain the most mercury um, because each time it goes up a level in the food chain, the mercury amplifies by a power of 10. So it's just a safe rule. It's an, um, you know, a very solid rule for, the, for the, helping the environment in, in your food choices. Um, but now to get to the practical point, which is I think what you wanted, um, if, if you can, you know, source your protein um, through things like egg and cheese because you don't, you know, you can, you can, you can find those free-range organic eggs and, and cheese, um, those are my favorite. I know, like you, I'm very active, and I always feel like something's missing if I don't have enough protein in my diet, and then I'll end up just binging on stuff that's bad for me if I'm not truly full. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So, so yeah, eggs and cheese is how I start off the morning, um, and then my snacks always consist of um, nuts and, and pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. They seem to be kind of power power foods there. Um, sure. Quinoa is a um, it tastes like a pasta, but it's a grain, and um, it uh, has a lot of protein. Even though it kind of tastes like tabbouleh, it's just really neat, especially for the summer and making summer salads. So quinoa, I think, is um, an undiscovered, um, really cool grain that has a lot of protein. Got and some in the fridge right now. Do you? You Excellent. can make it in a rice cooker really easy, just, you know. Very cool. Two parts water, one part quinoa, you're all set. <laughs> um, and, uh, again, I, I, I do eat some fish from time to time because it has so much great high protein, as long as it's not being overfished. I mean, I live in California. How can you say no to sushi sometimes? So just try to make it sure it's from, um, you know, a uh, like a, a wild salmon, for example, has those omega-3s that you need and has the protein, um, and anything in moderation, you know. We, we are omnivores. We're not supposed to necessarily be without animal products in our diet. It's just what's happened is the demand for meat went up five times in the last 50 years. So now we're experiencing problems trying to keep up with demand and everything, every resource that it takes to make is now on overdrive and wreaking havoc. Mm, this, Yeah, exactly. Good statistics. Thanks for the personal information. Always great to have that. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsors. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask Jen about her experience on The View and some <laughs> of her fun on Good Morning America and what it was like interacting with Whoopi Goldberg. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsors. Again, this is Jen Bolden. She's the co-founder of IdealFight.com. And my name is Meredith Medland, and I'm your host of Living Green. Listen to Beauty Now, the intersection of cosmetic surgery, longevity, and biomedical innovation for confident decisions in preventative aging on PersonalLifeMedia.com. All right, Jen, before we wrap up the show, we got to talk to you about some of these fun media moments you've been having. Most recently, you were on The View, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg was there giving you a little bit of a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's just her shtick, right, is, is roll her eyes and uh, engage the audience. It was so, so fun actually being up there with her. 
Um, so this was um, earlier this month, actually. Uh, I did kind of how to go green on a budget, what's going to save you money, and where to actually spend on green and where to skip skip it. And um, and it was it was about a seven minute segment um, with Elizabeth and Whoopi, and uh, you know we we had a blast. And Whoopi, you know, of course, is is giving me a little bit of. Uh, a hard time saying, there's no way I'm switching to eco toilet paper. I want only the soft stuff for my butt. <laughs> you know? um, and I was like, hey, pick your battles, you know, your conscience or your derriere or whatever. Um, but after the show, she came up to me and uh, hung out talking. And within 30 seconds, I really forgot that she was a megastar. I, you know, that I had watched her in all these movies and all these amazing um, comedic routines, and we were just chit-chatting, you know, she was telling me about the uh, farm that she has, or the uh, cabin that she has up in Vermont, and about her wine collecting, and um, it, about her to- more about her toilet paper habits, and I just had the best time talking to her, I, I felt like we were kind of insta-buds, and she has this incredible, just easy-to-get-to-know-ya personality, which is, I think is why she's so... Um, alluring on, on, on it comes through the television and on the movie screen you're just like i kind of want to be your friend you know mm. well i'm glad that you enjoy that you've also been on good morning america a few times yeah yeah i think uh it's definitely in the double digits now i uh sam champion and i always joke that we're um you know it's each other's uh tv wife and husband because uh, we've done <laughs> a- <laughs> He he's not married, neither am I, and we kind of look alike, I guess I'm told. Um, and and we'll do segments on kids, and neither one of us have any. And we're like, well, you know, we could have one for television. I'm sure that would. <laughs> <laughs> we, there could be you know eco fertility, eco pregnancy, eco baby shower. Oh yeah, power. that's so true. Think that's of the really segments. <laughs> well, congratulations on the, all the national media. I, I'm I'm really glad. I, I I also am remembering a story. Well, two stories that I want to make sure I repeat for our listeners these are these are stories you shared with me uh in that podcast number 15 you can go to livinggreenshow.com and if you scroll all, all the way down the page you'll see jen's picture as well as the the show but um so two things the first is you were living in new york and you i think you left a corporate gig and you had fallen down well before leaving, you had fallen down the stairs because you had a duffel bag full of paper because the company wasn't recycling. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's That was my catalyst for changing my career path to kind of align it with my values. Because before I was like, you know, recycling when I could and doing the corporate gig thing. And um, I was, of course, working late one night and saw the cleaning staff come through and take all of my you know, piles of paper and everything that I had forced everybody to accumulate um, and put it in the trash. And so I was like, fine, I'll just bring it home to my apartment building because I know that um, my apartment building recycles. So once a week, I'd take these duffel bags home. And on on this one day, I was wearing um, incredibly high uh, heels and my heel caught on the subway stair and I just went flying down and I had these two duffel bags, one in either hand, so I couldn't catch the railing. I just went bounce, bounce, bounce down on my knees, and uh, the paper was flying everywhere like Tweety Bird. 
And um, that's when I was like, no, there, there has to be a better way. There's no way we're saving the world through recycling. We have to get up to the more powerful impact points. We have to get to the point where there's no need to recycle so much because we're consuming less and we're making things, you know, in that kind of cradle-to-cradle manner where there is no such thing as waste. Like, this is, this is just ineffective, and, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> good, good story. And that, that really was one of the things that catapulted you into Ideal Bite. And what I remember you saying, correct me, of course, if I'm uh, incorrect here, but uh, is that you gave up a salary when you guys first started about four years ago, and there was even a time where you had to make some choices where, okay, I may not actually be able to buy organic food all the time because right. I'm trying to launch this business, and right. I've got to make my own choices. And, and there were some pretty edgy moments right before your vanity, uh, was it Vanity Fair layout? Was exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very edgy. And, I mean, I think it's a rites of passage in starting any business. If you don't feel you know, edgy at a certain point. You're either doing something incredibly right or incredibly wrong. I don't know which one, but um, it, it is a fairly typical, um, you know, entrepreneurial story where you're living off your credit cards and you're, you know, we actually had two um, kind of freelance employees and Heather and I would just write the checks off of our convenience checks um, from our credit cards or uh, savings account. And we did that for about a year and a half. And so, yes, not taking salary and having all of um, our savings go out into the business. And then we were at a make or break point um, after doing this for about, I guess, eight months. And uh, and then Vanity Fair um, called on like a Friday night and, and said, you know, could you make yourself available for this two-page spread, you know, that would be in their first green issue. And Heather and I were like, who are you and why are you joking with us? This is cruel. But it was true, and um, and once we were in that photo spread, basically all of the people that we had been talking to as potential investors jumped right on in. We're like, hey, we're going to be in Vanity Fair. Are you in or are you out? And <laughs> uh, actually eight of the nine jumped in, and we were then able to pay ourselves, um, I think it was about a $20,000-plus salary um, for the next year after that. So it wasn't like we were living large. Um, but at least we weren't going into such extreme extreme debt. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very very happy that I can afford some organic food these days. <laughs> mm, well, congratulations on that. I mean, I think uh, you know the most natural question from here is if our listeners are launching an idea or a product or a service or a dream, you know what what advice do you have for them to to take that into reality, particularly in our new economy? Yes. Well, first of all, um, definitely make sure that the idea has passed what's called a proof of concept. So in your head, it might be brilliant, but send it out there. Start talking about it. See what people think. Um, If you can do a prototype, if if you can have people, you know, actually come in and, and, and give, give you their thoughts, like through a survey, through a focus group. You know, no company or no idea is an island unto itself. You've got to engage and make sure that this is something that would sell or that would be attractive, right? Um, so after you have that going for you, you've got to make sure that you are ready to devote to this. Like, you know, your head is on fire and you're running towards the well. Nothing else is going to matter. 
and you're going to have to sacrifice, but it is worth it when you believe in something so strongly and it does have proof of concept. It is the best thing in the entire world, but it doesn't come without a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, and uh, little, you know, strokes of luck along the way. <laughs> That's right. All right, Jen, well, thanks for bringing us this sassier shade of green. A couple things I want to let our listeners know. They can follow you on Twitter. So if you go to idealbite.com, you'll see the the links into uh, following Heather or Jen or just Ideal Byte in general. And, of course, you can link to their Facebook page. So those are great things. And then I've got my big personal question, the last one, but it's so important um, before we go. So I know that Heather uses I think she uses soda stream, which makes her water into uh, like club soda. Do you yes. know about this? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So my favorite, favorite, favorite thing all time is either club soda or Perrier. You know, sparkling yeah. water. I love, love sparkling water, uh-huh. and I don't drink, so that's my like standard. Perfect. You know, that's my standard thing that I drink when I yeah. go out. And um, and so I also know that I try to kind of take it easy because it's a lot of bottles. Uh, to uh, recycle. And so I was um, following Heather's Twitter stream, and she Twittered about uh, SodaStream or SodaClubUSA.com. Exactly. So I, I want to know about that. What, what's it like, and does it work, and what's the scoop? Absolutely. Actually, I did a, I think, New Year's segment. Um, New Year's Day, I did a segment with Sam Champion on Good Morning America, and that was one of my top five favorite products for the new year. And so you can oh, really? see me, and I'll send you the link, but you can see me demonstrating this product. Um, it, is, it is so cool. It is so cool. So basically there are either glass or PBA-free recyclable bottles, plastic bottles that you can put into the soda machine, and it, it works in a way that has um, it has some uh, carbon um, – nation that happens just by using these little tanks that you fill up so you don't plug it in and it just you press down on the top i like the one that's shaped like a penguin you can press down on the the penguin head and it it squeaks three times and then it's done and then all of a sudden you've got you know either the just the pure carbonated water or you can add these all natural um flavor drops which i like because i drink so much water every now and then i'm like eh, i'd like to you know, spice it up a little. And um, and so you can buy these all-natural flavor um, drops, and then you're done. I mean, you never have to buy more soda or carbonated water, again, hence saving you money as well as all the bottles that would go into the trash. That is a trip. Okay, so now how – it really does look a, like, like a penguin. I have my browser up, and I <laughs> clicked on it. It's a little uncanny. How much does it cost? I, can, I don't see the, the base, price on here. The basic one is $80. Um, and, uh, again, if you're looking at this from an economic perspective, and let's say that you buy a six-pack of um, carbonated water or other type of soda – a week, you're going to make your money back in less than a year. And, you know, so use it a few years and you're basically making money on this thing. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay, so it comes with the bottles, right? It comes with the bottles, yep. The, the, The actual one that is truly a penguin and it has like the big fancy, um, uh, glass bottles, I think that one is probably about double the price. I mean, it is the deluxe. Um, and that is for your serious soda drinker and the people that probably do a lot of entertaining and, you know, leave it out in the bar area. Um, 
And, and But, you know, if you're just like, hey, my kids are constantly reaching for sodas, I want them to have something that's healthier, that's something that they'd even have fun making themselves, you know, yep. And, yep. and save some money while we're at it, you got to get this thing. And it, does it really taste good? I mean, does it really, is it really similar? I mean, would, if you if you had a bottle of, you know, this penguin soda <laughs> or whatever, and you had like, a, you know, a crystal geyser or, a, you know, a Pellegrino or something, could you, would you be able to notice the difference? Well, I mean, first of all, the answer to your question is yes, it tastes good. We would never recommend anything that we haven't tried and we didn't like. I mean, for every product that we recommend, there's three that have been Set, you know, kind of cast aside. Um, so with that said, you know, each each of the different carbonated water companies have their own different tastes that they've developed. So okay. I can't say that it would pass a blind taste test with Peregrino because I don't know, or Pellegrino, sure, sure. you know, because I don't know, you know, w- what exactly they're using. But right. it is good, I promise you, especially with the, like, little, you know, cranberry flavors, strawberry, kiwi, et cetera. Um, it's one of those things, like, after a meal, I try to drink it as opposed to have another glass of wine or have that dessert just to be on the healthy side because it satisfies that sweet craving. Well, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> the most important question of the whole interview, right? The How do I personally reduce my, uh, all my plastic water bottles? I love it. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Congratulations on all the success. I'm really super proud of you. And um, listeners, remember, there's all sorts of ways that you can interact with Jen through IdealBite.com. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Meredith. It was so wonderful to be back, and congratulations on all your success. Uh, two and a half, three years in the running. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you uh, listeners, if you want to find out more about what I'm up to, you can go to livinggreenshow.com. You can find all the episodes there. And if you're interested in the journey toward black belt or all the other things in the circle of influence in my world, they're located at meredithmedland.com. You can check out either of those. And I'm, of course, very accessible. You can send an email to meredith at livinggreenshow.com. I'm happy to take your, your comments, or you can post them onto the blog. Now, last thing, if you love this show, and you want to help it keep going and going and going, if you're in iTunes and you put in a five-star rating and fill out a few comments in the section, which it takes literally like three minutes, iTunes will increase where this show um, shows up in their searching. And what that means is that more people have the opportunity to be exposed to the green conversation. So that will definitely, definitely help. So um, thank you for that. And uh, last quick thing is that Holosync is a new sponsor of mine, Holosync Solutions. And if you go to meditatefree.com, they'll give you a free CD. And on that CD are a bunch of sounds and good things to help you get started and increase the quality of your quiet time. So those are great ways to support the show. You know, that's, uh, that's what it all boils down to. So, Jen, thanks again. My name is Meredith Medland, and you've been listening to Jen Bolden, the co-founder of IdeaBite.com. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.